This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This week on Meet and 3, we bring you a sensational episode where each story hones in on one of the four senses that accompanies taste. Many of the smells that we uh, encounter in everyday life actually exist out there in the cosmos. Food carries all these culturally specific meanings. The fact that, you know, when you see an apple, it's not just an apple, right? I was mostly interested in thinking about what knobs ASMR was pulling on, maybe, or how we could explain it from a psychological or emotional or evolutionary standpoint. Tune in to Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Jupiter's Almanac. I'm Matthew Rayford, the great-great-great-grandson of Jupiter Gilliard, a former slave who bought the land I now farm in Georgia nearly 150 years ago. Through the years, my ancestors have passed on some essential and hard-earned wisdom about growing and producing the food we eat. It's my great honor to share that inheritance with you and to invite other farmers from Georgia and around the country to share their tips with you. So if you're just starting out, reconnecting with the land, or a seasoned farmer, join the conversation. This episode is one of two episodes that are focusing on couples who farm together. Now, I've often been asked, like, what is it like to farm with my sister? And that's family, family. But when you're farming with a partner, the whole thought process of how things are done comes into a whole new dynamics because you're around each other already 24-7. So I picked these two couples because one, they're both amazing. Uh, All four of them as individuals are amazing people just as individuals, but even 10 times more amazing as farmers. In this episode, we're going to hear from Warren and Keisha Cameron of High Hog Farm. Now, when I met Warren and Keisha, they actually came to my farm um, to help me do a huge event um, at the farm. And uh, they helped me with uh, shoring up my chicken coop area. And listening to them and talking to them and garnering wisdom from them as a couple was just amazing. And they had some hilarious stories to, to give me on farming together as a couple. And then from that, I had the opportunity to uh, have uh, their youngest son uh, spend a week with me here and do a uh, cooking class uh, or classes with him on what it would be like to use all of the produce that comes off your farm and any animals that you happen to have um, into and or preparing meals for, which was just also amazing because I think he's going to become an amazing young um, chef also. But Keisha and Warren, um, they farm a little bit of everything, but what's so interesting about them is that they are actually fiber farmers. So they have everything from French Angora rabbits to sheep. Um, They also have chickens. Um, I think they might have started off with a horse at one point. So let's get into this episode and hear from Warren and Keisha Cameron. 
So I'm gonna dive right into this. I really don't think we even really even need an icebreaker because we have already been on for a moment just laughing and talking. So I'm gonna jump right into like the nitty gritty of these questions that I have. The first one is how did you all to meet? And then how did you two end up farming together as a family? So those are kind of like, I don't know who wants what, but I know if you all started in New York and are now in Atlanta, there has to be some major story in between there. Go for it. That's so funny. I don't, there's no short version, but I'll do my best. We okay. met We we met on a dare. Um, oh. And a year later, we ended up, we found ourselves married. Wow. Warren uh, got offered a job here in Atlanta. Warren, uh, you've been working in the tech field for software, as a software engineer for many 20, years, 20, many years. almost 30 years. And wow. um, we actually landed in Alpharetta. Okay. For looking to find, that was in an apartment, had... Mm -hmm two young children with one on the way and wanted to settle down and buy a house. Uh, and this was right around the time of the housing crash, the um, that bubble. catastrophic housing crash. Um, we, we found ourselves, uh, let's just say financial dire straits after we Lay lost off. that house. He got laid off from the, his IT job. And few years later, we found ourselves with the opportunity to kind of start again, and we didn't want to do the subdivision life. At least I know I didn't. Um, found this is a foreclosure fixer-upper, and I had been watching entirely too much HGTV. So I decided <laughs> it would be so much fun. Right. Uh, and then that turned into a homestead, and then a farmstead, and now we're farming. And somewhere in the process, um, there was a horse involved. Seven baby chicks, five of what? which were roosters, and <laughs> now we're farming. Yeah, let's just say the lessons began there, and we're okay. still learning even today. Yeah, yeah, to have your chicks sex before you have them sent from <laughs> the hatchery. True story. True story. Oh, this is this is going to be hilarious. To have yeah. This is a PG. Yeah. Um, rated show, right? PG, PG rated show, PG rated show for sure. But wow, I, I really hadn't even. I, I thought I knew the story, but now I'm even like more like enthralled into like, oh my god, like this is this is a like this is like a real, you know, live Drama. story. Yeah, it's a little theatrical, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Almost like you know, what I mean, well, no, we're not going to go there on Hamilton, but I love Hamilton anyway. Um. <laughs> So you started farming together and you decided, okay, we got this nice little place. But from what I understand, like most people, when most people think about farming, they only think about like vegetables, you know, like zucchini, yellow squash. You have already started talking about a horse and some chickens. So what, <laughs> nah, yeah. or, or roosters actually, but what, what kind of farming do you all actually do there at High Hall? Well, it's, it's definitely a diversified farm and we do grow some vegetables and herbs, but okay. primarily we've over the years, we've shifted with a focus on fiber. So I started with Angora rabbits because um, we wanted a sustainable 
source for fiber. And about three years ago now, we added heritage breed of sheep, uh, Gulf Coast native sheep, as well as Jacobs um, that we, we added to the flock this year. So uh, livestock has always been just, I don't know how to make it make sense in for other than it just fits. It's kind of the thing that I got it. I get it. And that's not to say that I'm an expert or that we're experts by, we're so much to learn, but it felt right to us um, okay. versus, you know, production. I still struggle as a, with production crops. I definitely like to garden, but okay. true farmers don't even, you know, refer, you know, that you don't refer right, to right. their <laughs> It's row cropping and turn high yield and stuff like that. It's, for me, I like to, my, mm -hmm. um, I want to feel like it's an more enjoyable when I'm in the garden and being in the, connected with the soil. So it's definitely more, um, I, I feel livestock and working with animals and having that breath and that line of sight and that interaction better or more so than I do when I'm working the land. Okay. In the garden. But it doesn't mean I don't like both, but yeah, this, okay. just, that's my, that's my jam. I hear you. I hear you. So Gulf Coast sheep, um, part of the Spanish descendants, correctly? Am I correct? Yes. yes. They're, yeah. they're actually considered a land race breed, but yes. Okay. Awesome. They're also on the Slow Food uh, Arc of Taste, if I remember correctly. I believe so. I believe yeah. so. They're an wow. endangered breed. Yes. And we try to focus on those with our farm. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's, in general. that's a lot to take on. And I can only imagine the lessons learned that I guess maybe I'll have to, we'll have to do another one. It's just about uh, lessons learned on the farm because the both of you all are giggling in the background. So I know. <laughs> Sorry. Can you hear yeah. I'm trying not to, <laughs> I'm trying not to show my hand, tip my hand. Sure. It's hard, hard to not laugh. Yeah, no, no worries. I mean, I actually get it. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, here, on the coast of Georgia, like I've, like we've been through, you know, three tropical storms, two hurricanes, like all the things that you think that can weather or, or do and or happen, um, and you still can make it through it is kind of like unreal. But that's all. That also is another podcast for another time. But yeah. that being said, um, I need to know what to, what are your favorite and least favorite chores? Because I can only imagine rabbits and sheep. Like, that can be a little messy, right? Well, you know, we've got chickens. Oh. We've got goats also. Okay. But um, overall, to answer your question, I would start with the least favorite. And to me, that's mucking stalls. Uh, For yeah. some reason, I just don't like it. And um, overall, I just don't like mud. Right. I have a thing for mud. And I just it's just <laughs> not for me. And while, yes, I do live on a farm and we walk through things, especially when it rains a lot, when it does rain. Right. You know, it's just something that I am not very fond of at all. So muck and stalls is not my favorite okay. um, chore. Now, I've been trying to figure out what's my favorite chore and i'm like is there really a favorite for a chore <laughs> so i don't know I, I 
I don't know how to answer that question yet, but I can definitely tell you what my least favorite is. No problem. How about you, uh, Miss Keisha? Um, so <laughs> again, chores, like my favorite chore is making the kids take care of their particular animals. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love how you start off with that one. <laughs> this is what I love. No, realistically, my, I don't, so when it's time to work in the garden, planting and gardening, there's something very therapeutic in being connected when it doesn't feel, you know, breakneck. So right. even weeding can be pleasurable, even though it itself is not a fun chore to do. So I, I have a little different, it's a skewed kind of mentality. I don't necessarily wake up and go, oh yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this particular chore today. But when I'm out and actually got myself moving and I'm doing it, then I can enjoy it. As far as activities, across the board, I really do like working with the sheep or, and the goats. So what, whether it be trimming hooves or checking them, mm -hmm. those are, those are things that I like, you know, checking eyes, just making sure health, basic husbandry. That's probably my most enjoyable because you get the personality of the animal and you can just see how they, they respond to you and interact with them. Uh, least favorite is I do all the veterinary type stuff. We have a vet, Ooh. we have a vet that's on call, but usually anytime I have to be involved in something that requires, you know, um, first aid or met medical care above and beyond just that level right. of husbandry, I don't, I don't enjoy that. So if there's a wound or if I have to do get offer a shot or something like that, which is rare. But that, mm -hmm. that would definitely be my least favorite thing because you just, my brain goes into overdrive on the level of severity and do I need mm -hmm. to call anybody? And it's just never, it's like having a sick kid, you know, right. just never happy. That's never a good thing. It's never, it's never a good thing. I get it. I get it. And um, Warren, thank you for that correction. Um, I will no longer use the word chore. I will take a page from... Uh, Keep this book and call it an activity. <laughs> <laughs> You're most welcome. Oh, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it like that. Like, no, nah, I really don't have any chores on the farm that I like. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm there with you, brother. I well, you know, there with you. Just, just this, I mean, farming is not easy. Um, no. So there's lots of things that, you know, if, if when you decide to become a farmer, you know you have to do these things no matter what. And for mm -hmm. me, it's, you know, it, it's, it is an activity. It is a job. It's something that we have to do, um, especially when you're dealing with, you know, animals. They, ha they have to be taken care of. So you have to do the best that you can to make sure that they live the best life possible. And so no matter what it takes, you just have to do it. So it's not like, you know, oh, I hate to muck stalls. I don't want to do it. I mean, I, I know I have to do it. So I just right. do it, but it's not my, it's not one of my favorite things to do, but it is a must thing to do. Gotcha. And, gotcha. and overall, and I'll take it one step further where, where he leaves off. There is a joy in it is hard. Mm -hmm. So okay. when you're doing something that's work that, but you love what you do, then the work isn't so bad. It's just part and parcel for, of the whole. Uh, right. I love it. Wow, I love that. 
I love that. Well, then this next question is just going to go roll right up Russell's alley then. And that is, if your farm life together had a story, what would the lesson, what would the lesson be that you'd want it to tell? Yes, Matthew, ask, ask Warren that question. <laughs> Warren, what, would, what, what would you like her to tell? Um, <laughs> I think it's more, you know, when, when, when people come to the farm, I want them to be able to see that we are open and um, giving them an opportunity to learn things. You know, we learn things like almost every day. But I know when people come to the farm, you know, there's a certain thought or an idea of what they have, what a farm looks like. And then, you know, you come to our farm and it's not completely different, but at least it's like, oh, I didn't know this or I didn't know that. So it's almost I feel that we want to be like a um, a teaching farm um, okay. where people can actually come and, and, you know, learn about those things. I mean, sometimes I, there's there's individuals that will come. They may be a little bit too embarrassed to ask a question that they think is an obvious question that they should uh, already be able to answer themselves. But, you know. When you come here, we're, we're not going to look at you as if you're crazy. We're just going to explain this is how we do things. Now, mind you, there's, you know, there's lots of farms all over the world. Um, we're just one farm that we do it in a certain way and it works for us. And so we're giving people who, you know, don't have the uh, opportunity to work on a farm or to live on a farm to see what we do. And if they go to other farms, they'll see other things. So they'll get their own understanding and their own learning of things. So, you know, I just want our story to be able to say that, you know, we were able to learn something from High Hog Farm. Definitely. Definitely. And and farming is lifelong learning, too, which, uh, you know, I, 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 I really commend anybody that even wants to start you know, even planting something in a bucket, even um, as a container garden, because every time you think you have something completely dialed in and everything is perfect, it just takes one degree of anything to change. And you have to like, oh, I got to adjust. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so yeah. I think being able to tell that story from High Hog's vision and uh, thought process is an, is an amazing thing. And the fact that you all are taking that on is... Uh, is also just as amazing. So we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with more of my conversation with Warren and Keisha in just a moment. All of us at HRN have been keeping busy, despite working and recording from home. This fall, we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world. While the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain, there are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, food podcasts from HRN provide a virtual table we can all gather around. Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of food radio by becoming a member of HRN. 
Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new show. Welcome back to Jupiter's Almanac. Here's the rest of my conversation with Warren and Keisha about their journey building and running a farm as a couple. So that being said, you know, this year has been, I'm just, I had to take a pause there because I was trying to think of what the best word to describe 2020 because it is <laughs> Yeah. It has been, it has, there has been every possible word or thing has happened this year that any city, state, country can possibly go through. You know what I'm saying? Like 2020, C19, new normal, all that stuff is like super, has been super over the top. So I'm going to ask this question of Keisha. You know, what advice? Would you give any couple or partners or families or anything how to keep it together? Because I think that that's like one of the hardest things for a lot of people. A lot of people haven't been around each other like you would on a farm. You know what I'm saying? Like on a farm, you're pretty much, you know, you work and you live oftentimes in a very, very close proximity area. And so what advice would you give people that are, have now lived in the house and probably have only gone a few places for the last four or five months. Wow. Um, I, I would have to just start by, Oh, that's a tough one, Matthew. Cause I had about 10 things pop in my head when you were talking and, and kind of. That's fine. that's fine. Give us all 10. I mean, yeah. we got a little bit of time here. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't want it to be a cut and dry, like, oh, here's this one thing. Like, no, because life yeah, is complicated and the world is complicated. I think what 2020 and in light of the pandemic has really just, above all, it demonstrated is just how, one, we're so interconnected. And mm-hmm. most of us move through the world and through spaces completely disconnected from, you know, almost disembodied from our own or just disconnected from our own bodies and our own, our own pace of life keeps us from really being fully present and mindful and really connected to what is happening around us and the people and the, the, the life that exists around us. And then that change is a constant that, that being the other thing that's really kind of come to the forefront. And in many ways, um, I think if we, if we were to turn our attention just to, you know, the media discourse or political discourse, we would think that we have all just resorted to our basis instincts because there's so much uncertainty and fear that is driving a lot of people's reactions to that that constant level of change and the uncertainties. However, I think what's nice is if you look at it outside of the, the some of the isolation and some of the things that are seem tragic, it's an opportunity for us to slow down and to connect and to plug in. And the farm does that in a way that lets you really, or, or even just being at home, 
and having, like you said, a container with a pot and some soil and some seeds, you can connect um, and appreciate the life that exists and nurture and cultivate that and then extend that to the relationships to the people who are in that house with you and your community, depending upon, you know, what scale you're at, you can begin to nurture, support and care for one another. And it's a symbiotic type of relationship because as that life supports you, you support that life. And then that kind of is um, kind of overflow, you know, to, to put it into spiritual kind of terms that, you know, you release that, the plug in the dam that the overflow, that water and that blessing flows over is not something you can contain for yourself. And that's ultimately, I think, the the hope or the goal. Um, but it's, it's not by any stretch of the imagination easy. I think we conflate things that are, you know, important with this idea or critical with that, that they should just come or natural, that they should come easily. And that's not necessarily the case. They require an investment of our time and our energy. And um, it, it's not for the faint of heart, for sure. I think the other thing that popped into my head, and I'm trying to make sure I don't go off too much on a tangent, but you know, in line with what you were saying is that we have to be able to move in and out of season. Um, I think sometimes we try to force things to happen in our time and we want to see things, you know, manifest that just aren't, isn't the time. It's not the season for it. The idea of that, you know, tides ebb and flow um, and being able to move in and out of that. And unfortunately, you know, <laughs> your rent is due when your rent is due. Our, our, your light bill is due when your light bill is due. And our, the systems and structures and the institutions that are set up around us that we rely on have to function with some sort of regimen. But in light of this, the pandemic, seeing ourselves being able to prioritize life and things happening in season to make those adjustments are important. And I think that's where some of the failings we're seeing, um, where people aren't able to strike that balance or work together to strike that balance between you know, those hard, fast deadlines and the idea that the season and the times have shifted and how do we respond to that and being able to, to, to support ourselves locally with food and have a network that makes sure everybody has access to um, life that sustains us and food that sustains us versus just prioritizing the income that we need. So it's, it's a very interesting paradigm shift seeing people struggle with that but i do believe it's an opportunity if we choose to treat it as one so i would encourage any couple that's trying to start finding their way to start small start in season and then make sure that they're honoring the connections that exist between them and and that space where they can cultivate it and just go from there Warren, can you give Keisha a hug for me, please? Girl, <laughs> yeah, I, I just did. <clears throat> that, that's why I married her. <laughs> in my left eye, in the corner, 
is just like this big old water drop that's just trying. <laughs> and my right eye is like, no, don't do it. Don't let it out. <laughs> Oh, I don't even know. So hard just to stay to answer the question and not go too far oh. off track, but yeah, I you didn't, you didn't, and I think I think that's what you know is kind of like that's what I want Jupiter's almanac to ultimately be able to capture. Right, is the essence of like you know when people think of an almanac, they think of uh, like only the past and not necessarily the future. Like it's kind of like they look into it to like mm. they open up like okay, this is what happened. That it, uh, maybe it might happen, but mm-hmm. actually, almanac is actually a way to actually see the what's getting ready to possibly happen next. There's a there's a rhyme and a reason. There's you know you right. can see those things. And what you have just said is kind of like the almanac for not just a family relationship and a partner relationship, but also just like a human relationship. Yeah, very like how we connect with. People and I, I, I just for a moment, I got had to pause because I'm just, I don't even know what to say right now. But the the world has been a tad bit crazy. I mean, Ahmad is right. You know that everything that happened with him is like five minutes from my farm. So wow. you know, and things happen up in your area. So I mean, it's just, yeah, it's kind of like all those things, you know. And I guess that's a, you know, also a great segue into, you know. <laughs> What is my last question, which is, like, how do y'all two, and I, I know that, you know, you do photography, Warren, and Keisha, you do spinning fiber and things like that. So you all have some additional outlets that other people sometimes don't necessarily have, like, that aren't necessarily just a hobby, but something that you're really good at, you know what I'm saying? And not just trying to learn. And how do how do you all provide self care for yourself and for each other? Like, I mean, all that you just said just now, Keisha. If I was to put it into a little, well, not a little, a big vessel, like, I, how do you care for each other, right? Well, um, it's a great question. I think overall, you don't necessarily have to do grandiose things, and so for me, it's. Every morning, I make a cup of coffee, and I bring it to Keisha, because hmm. that's a that's a thing for us. It, coffee and kisses. He's got to put a cup of coffee on the nightstand, Ooh. and then he kisses okay. my you know he kisses my cheek or my forehead. Oh, okay, okay, and I got it. It's sweet, but Matthew, he says that, and I love it, and it's been like that since. I mean, we've been together twenty, married twenty plus years, and just about every day if he's not out of town it's coffee and kisses in the morning but he leaves that because i'm grumpy in the morning (laughs) (laughs) and he he, he's smart enough to be like here take your medicine and leave me alone you're pleasant it's (laughs) self-preservation But isn't that what self care is about? Though there you go. (laughs) Mutual is a mutual aid. Sorry, I I love it. It just chuckles at that you bring that up. Yeah, I think. I think what's you know, um, I don't want to go too far back, but because of the fact that we are on a farm, we live on a farm. You know, where sometimes some people live in a certain place and they go to a farm, right? You know, going to a job. We live here. We you know we work here. Um, and I think having to be able to, you know, share a space with everyone 
Mm-hmm. You do mm-hmm. need that self-care. And then, yes, we do have our own, you know, distractions that we can go off to to kind of right. energize and come back. And it's not because, ooh, I can't stand to be around these folks. It's you just need that different thing to do in mm-hmm. order to come back and continue doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, in our case, you know, um, working off the land, you know, you know managing animals and, and so on. Because, you know, it, it farming is a lost art, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know? And I am just learning these things. Because if, if you were to look at High Hog Farm, you'll see that, you know, Keisha does a lot of things here. And to be honest with you, it was like, would Warren come out and say, hey, I want to be a farmer? Probably not. I, I consider myself a city kid. And, you know... When, when we initially got a horse, you know, I have that New York City mindset, a horse. I'm thinking thoroughbred horse, aqueduct racetrack, <laughs> Belmont racetrack. Those right, 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 right. You know, and, and, and slowly but surely I'm starting to understand a lot more. So the exposure to farming actually mm-hmm. helps to understand a lot more. There is so much education you can have, not just doing the physical things of farming, but just mm-hmm. understanding like how the world operates around food and all that. And mm-hmm. sometimes it can be overwhelming. So having a, a place to center yourself, you know, or things to do um, where you can do that self-care is very important. So, you know, again, like I said before, you don't have to do something grandiose, but just, just look at small things to help here, help there, you know, cause you know, when you live on a farm, you work on a farm, you still have to do other things. And we and the most important thing, I think, is that, you know, as a couple, we have each other's back. You know, if, if Keisha's doing something and it's taking, you know, maybe a lot of her time or energy, then I should be there to be able to pick up the slack in something else and, you know, just vice versa. So you know, Absolutely. to me, that's even self-care in itself. And I, I want to offer um, something that came to my mind while Warren was talking is, I I, def, I agree wholeheartedly, and I love that you brought those, you highlighted that. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the conversation is also that farming, sustainable farming. I mean, we're we're we have the privilege that we're we do not have a large section of our population dependent on us for their food and you know lots of food information we we have the ability to farm on a small scale and to try as best as possible to learn how to do it as sustainably and you know regenerative practices and all of that so it puts us a little bit different i i say that because as much as i i do not um support i understand why industrial farming is the way that it is i don't think i think we should want to do things better but I don't want to shame anybody who does farming on a giant scale and has got people dependent on them. Right. Well, with that caveat out of the way, farming, the way we farm, should be in itself pleasurable. It's not about wow. just high yield, high production, bio-intensive, you know, overly intensive Mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. and I think especially as black people who are doing this work coming from a, a line and a history where we were exploited because of our skill 
and our love of the land and connection with being able to cultivate the land, it has taken on a thing where we see agriculture and agricultural labor, labor through a very narrow and painful lens. And what I think is important for us to, to uplift in this is that farming itself is, is a joy and is a form of self-care. So when we're not trying to simply look at it as an economic source, which it definitely is, it's a business, but mm-hmm. that self-care can look like gardening. Self-care can look like spinning wool. And yes, I'm producing a product and it can look like uh setting up Warren loves setting up like Arduino and automated stuff, but that can be translated to um, automatic watering systems for the greenhouse or, or things like that. So there's an opportunity where each of those things that feel like chores or activities um, can be a form of self-care. And then of course, going back to what Warren said, there's, then you also have times where you disconnect. And from from farming and you sit down and you veg in front of the TV, the the pandemic, you know, we're not going to movie theaters and sitting and doing that or restaurants and stuff like that right now. But there's opportunities for us to just sit down, play a game. I haven't persuaded anybody to do a puzzle with me yet, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Give more months in quarantine, you know, (laughs) they might do a puzzle. But the, the idea is that not to forget that that farming and this lifestyle itself is not like a normal job in the sense that you go to work, you grind, and then you come home and you're doing something completely unrelated. We're finding pleasure in the life that we're building here together. And we're treating it in a way that it offers us some measure of self-care. No, that's awesome. You know, you've you've actually, because I've been taking notes the whole time we were, we've been on and I actually think I'm just going to do a whole segment on Jupiter's Almanac that's about gardening um, as self-care, as a, like the holistic um, approach to therapy, you know, like garden therapy. So I would like to definitely invite you back on for that conversation also, because you've actually taken uh, some thoughts that I've had about, you know, being of... Uh, an enslaved descent uh, or feeling that that sometimes I know, I know oftentimes I've heard people say as my sister and I decided to come back to Southeast Georgia, y'all going back home, do that slave work. And it's been one of those things. Like, yeah. No, like right. we, we've owned the land since 1874. That's not a, that's not the mentality that I, that I'm walking around with. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, hearing you bring that up, I, I really think I would be remiss if I didn't do a whole segment um, that was about agriculture and farming and self-care. And then also just about the history of where agriculture has been um, for the last, you know, let's just say the last 150 years and what's been going on since we've had our land and and, and just that thought process. But um, thank you also for you all's time. I don't want to start rambling or anything, but... Um, thank you for you all's time today. Um, I appreciate it. I have nothing but love for High Hog Farm. Please go online. Warren, what was you all's website again? Yeah, it's High Hog, H-I-G-H-H-O-G dot farm.
Well, first, let me say thank you, Warren and Keisha, for your time today. I'm sure you all are super busy. Um, and again, just thank you. This was an amazing conversation to uh, talk to a couple that is really um, diving in, putting both their hands in the soil and in uh, prepping and being just amazing stewards uh, with their animals and uh, taking their homesteading to a whole new level. Um, so a uh, big shout out to High Hog Farm. So stay tuned for part two of Couples and Farming. Now, when I tell you these, I'm asking the exact same questions, but I get totally different responses um, from our next couple. Monica Pons and Russell Hondard, who are the former gardeners at Grayfield Inn on Cumberland Island, and who are now in search of their forever farm in Georgia. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Jupiter's Almanac wherever you get your podcasts. And special thanks to Warren and Keisha Cameron at High Hog Farm. Our executive producer is Kat Johnson. Jupiter's Almanac is also produced by Dylan Hoyer. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by the Joy Drops. Jupiter's Almanac is powered by Simplecast. Jupiter's Almanac is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. And we want to hear from you. Send us any questions in writing or as a voice memo that we can help answer on the air at Jupiter's Almanac at heritageradionetwork.org.